0: Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 Weekdays on Vision Christian Radio.
1: This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media. Thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation to Visionathon today at vision.org.au Today. today today, with Jeff Vines. Star Wars fans, get ready. In fact, movie buffs in general, prepare. Pastor Jeff starts a new series called At The Movies. Over the next few messages, he'll look at the correlation between fantasy stories and the gospel. Today's message from Pastor Jeff is about a movie called The Mandalorian. And yes for you Star Wars fanatics, technically, The Mandalorian is a series, but the concept still applies. The passage Pastor Jeff's referring to from the Bible is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses two to seven. Let's join Pastor Jeff now, as he explains how good fantasy stories are the story of
0: the gospel. If you have your Bibles with you, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 2 through 7. It's known as the Christian Creed, and we'll get to that just in a moment. It's going to take a while because we're going to use various texts because we're in a a kind of very special series. In in fact, when I announced this to the staff, I've not seen seen them this excited since I told them we were going to give away free food during Tuesday staff meetings. (laughs) So they're excited. In this series called At the Movies, We want to take four popular narratives and show you how every good story is ultimately the story of the gospel. Uh, For hundreds of years, philosophers have always been somewhat confused at the power of fantasy narrative. Why is it that you and I are drawn to fantasy so much? It's not that we believe that the stories themselves are true, but we do believe the overarching themes, the underlying truths to which these fantasies point are true, and so they connect us somehow, fantasy or not fantasy, to real life. Now, some of you might say, why would you do this? Do you realize this is exactly what Jesus did when he came to teach in the New Testament? He didn't necessarily exposit the Old Testament, but he took modern narratives. A sower went out to what? Sow his seed. Uh, a man went on a journey uh, traveling on the road to Damascus. There was a rich man and a poor man. He told popular narratives and then connected them with underlying overarching truths of life. And so we would be remiss in our culture if there weren't times, now we wouldn't do this every weekend, but if there were not times when we would take a popular modern-day narrative and show you how every good story ultimately points to the story of the gospel. It tugs at our souls. It reminds us of the transcendent of the eternal. Now, this is very important in regard to this show called Mandalorian. Now, let's just be honest. How many of you, you're in church, tell the truth? How many of you have no idea what I'm talking about? That's okay, I'll give you an explanation. That means that you're reading your Bible while other people are watching Mandalorian. (laughs) It also means some of you don't know what I'm talking about, but you're too embarrassed to say so. Don't be embarrassed. I would have never known about it until the generation beneath me came and said, you need to watch this. I am so glad I did, because as I got hooked into it, I could not believe. It's, to me, it was like, did these dudes read the Bible and then write this show? The themes are remarkable. By the way, it is now the most watched streaming series in history. The most It passed the office, you, you might have heard about that, last December. And we're told that the demographic is age 35 to 55. That's older than I thought it would be. Now the reasons given for its success are originality, depth, and substance. Depth and substance, we're talking about fantasy here. But inherent in the themes of Mandalorian, we are told is the belief that this fantasy somehow connects us to what is real what we know to be true. Now, let me give you a quick summary for those of you who don't know what Mandalorian is. Mandalorians are from the planet Mandalore. And the Mandalorian people existed during the time of Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Princess Leia, Chewie, and the rest. While they are struggling against the oppression of the empire, the Mandalorians are also another planet, another alien planet fighting against the power and oppression of the empire. And the empire actually destroys the planet. Mandalore. The people who live on the planet Mandalore are called Mandalorians. Some of them were able to escape before the planet disintegrated, and they were exiled into foreign alien territories. Now, and I'm trying to give you a quick history lesson. <laughs> you know, I had to do a lot of study this past week. I had to go into my office and watch Mandalorian. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> Mandalorians were warriors. So the only way they're going to be able to survive after the destruction of the empire is to become either mercenaries or bounty hunters. So Mandalorian, the series, is a story about the travels of one Mandalorian named Mando. And he survives by hunting down bounty and collecting the cash. Mandalorian's name, real name, is Din Djarin. And forgive me if I sound like I'm 12 years old here but he has really cool armor, (laughs) and really cool weapons, and a really cool car. In fact, I called my son Delaney and asked him if he could make me a car like Mando's. And he said, Dad, hover technology is not quite here yet. So early on, we find Mando, the Mandalorian, discovering and protecting a little foundling, which is an orphan in that language, named Grogu. And Grogu Uh, is is evidently from the same unnamed alien species as Yoda. He looks like a, a junior Yoda. He's not junior Yoda. You think he is in the beginning, but he's not. He's just another one of the species. Mando's mission, and the entire series Mandalorian so far has him, has us, going on this journey with Mando as he tries to take Grogu, the little alien who is separated from his parents? Why we don't know. To take him back home to restore him. Now we don't know why Mando feels compelled to do this because he's making a quite lucrative living by hunting bounties and collecting the cash. But suddenly, when he meets Grogu, he just forgoes all that and he starts to invest his life in this little orphan alien. And any time you ask the question why he would do that, you're told this: this is the way. Anytime something happens in this series that you don't know why he's doing what he's doing, you're simply told, this is the way. Because the Mandalorians have a creed, and that creed requires your full attention. You dare not violate the creed, even if it costs you your very life. In fact, when Mando originally meets Grogu, Grogu is a bounty. So he's going to turn Grogu in for the cash. And then he discovers, wait a minute, Grogu is an orphan. So now the Mandalorian creed requires him to give up the cash and to protect the orphan, the foundling, and deliver him back to his home. And when you ask why, we're only told this is the way. Now this is what I believe makes Mandalorian so attractive. Because the themes of the greatest story that's ever been written, the gospel, are all found in Mandalorian. I think that's why it, it captivated me. In fact, do you know that the first Christians were called people of the way. The way. In Acts 24, then Felix, who was well acquainted with the way. What's the way? So what they call Christ's followers, adjourned the proceedings. And he tells Paul he's going to decide his case later on, and he ordered the centurion to keep Paul under guard, but to give him some freedom and permit his friends to care for his needs. So Paul's unwillingness to denounce or live apart from the way landed him in prison many, many times. Now, here's where the message takes that climactic point. You say, why would I want to listen to a sermon about Mandalorian? This sermon is not about Mandalorian. This sermon is going to help you discover whether or not you're the real deal. This sermon is going to help you answer the question, are you truly a Christ follower or are you just a fan of Jesus? And that's invaluable because the Bible says many will say to him on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not? And he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. And the reason it helps you do that is because as I look at the Mandalorian Creed, it's uncanny, uncanny how similar it is to the Christ Creed. Let me take you through these quickly. Here are the four primary attributes of the Mandalorian overarching creed. Number one, Mandalore says, honor is life, for without honor one may as well be dead. Really? What does that mean? Why, if you have no honor, you might as well not live? The dictionary defines honor this way, as integrity in one's belief. In other words, you are who you say you are. You believe the things that you believe because you believe they are honorable, and you believe they are honorable because they are transcendent, they are above you. You speak about them, therefore you believe them. You live them, therefore, because you speak them, and if you don't honor your own code, what you say you believe, you might as well be dead. Why? Why? Because one, it means you're an inherent contradiction. You say one thing and do another, which means that there's really no real purpose in your life. There's no real conviction in your life. There's no real sense of transcendence in your life, because if there was, you'd be living a different way. Therefore, the Mandalorian code says, your your life is shallow, and you cannot be trusted, and you cannot be trusted because you truly don't believe in anything. You state it, but you don't live consistently with it, and if you live for nothing, Other than yourself, you might as well be dead. The second aspect of honor in the Mandalore Creed says that death is more preferable than shame. It would be better to die than to shame the creed. So honor, therefore, is the absence of shame due to living rightly and consistently with your creed. That is the way. As a matter of fact, the Mandalorian Creed, we're still talking about the Mandalorian now, not, not Christ. The Mandalorian Creed says that anything that is honorable and transcendent will require sacrifice, and it will demand allegiance and effort and discipline and diligence in your life. All that is worthy and honorable requires these things, and the weak, the weak of will are not worthy to be called Mandalorians. And the Mandalorian Code says, it is more honorable to fight and die than to survive through dishonorable means. Did you hear that? And they will tell you, this is the way. When Mandalorian or Mando decides he's going to save Grogu, the foundling, the orphan, immediately he knows he's going to have to sacrifice everything, even his life. And he's more than willing to because it is more honorable to fight and die than to survive through dishonorable means. But can I tell you, this is the Christ way as well. Living an honorable life is so important that the Bible tells you it will require such incredible effort that it might even require blood. Have you ever wondered what Hebrews twelve four meant when he said, in your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. What, what does that mean? How do you shed your blood? Well, physical analogies often communicate to us spiritual truths, and the greatest physical struggles often include bleeding of some sort. So the writer's telling you that your spiritual struggle should be so intense that had it been physical, you would bleed. So let me stop right there. How are you doing with that? Are you fighting hard? Are you standing your ground? Are you a a Christian Olympian, giving up things, sacrificing for the greater good to achieve the high calling, the goal of Christ's likeness? Are you denying yourself? You know, I met a young man this past week at a cafe, two weeks ago at a cafe. Coffee Clatch. You can go inside now. (laughs) It's been a long time since I've been this impressed with a young man. And actually, I had two instances. I'll tell you the second one later. He didn't have a cell phone. Who doesn't have a cell phone in their mid-20s? I said, dude, I can't get a hold of you. You're the hardest guy to get a hold of. He said, no, Pastor Jeff, you're the hardest guy to get a hold of. I said, well, how do I get a hold of you? He said, well, I don't have a cell phone, so you'll have to call my home phone. People still have those, I guess. (laughs) Or you'll have to email me. He said, because I don't carry a cell phone. I said, why? He said, because I have a problem with pornography, and if I have a cell phone, I know I'm going to be tempted. You gave up your cell phone for something greater? I said, but you said you had a computer. He said, yes, but we keep it in the living room where everybody can see when I'm on it. Wow. You say, well, Jeff, if I'm saved by grace, why should I try so hard to be holy? And here's the answer, in order not to bring shame to his name. My concern in our culture is that we have replaced honor with transparency. We think it's okay to violate our code, the Christian creed, as long as we reveal that we're disappointed in ourselves and wish we could do better. So, if I'm honest with you as a pastor or whatever, and I say, you know, I really struggle with these things, and you come up and say to me, Pastor Jeff, thanks for being so transparent, but there's, but there's not any change or effort, that's not transparency. That's just spiritual laziness. That's not honor. That's weakness. Transparency is only honorable if our intention is to let each other know what we struggle with so that we can iron sharpen iron, so we can hold each other accountable and pray for each other as we pursue that which is good. It's meant to honestly identify with others and our struggles that we can help each other. Can you imagine two transparent Olympians, okay? Two transparent Olympians. Well, he says to his friend, I know the Olympics are just next year, but I've not really been dieting, and I've not really spent that much time in the pool or at the track or in the gym, and I've really been staying out later than I should, not getting enough sleep, so. And his friend says to him, brother, Thanks for being so transparent. That makes me feel so much better because I'm failing in all the same areas. Thank you for helping me see that we are both losers." (laughs) That's not iron sharpening iron. That's two marshmallows stuck together. (laughs) The Mandalorian Creed says, honor means to fight for what is right, to do what is right even when it's difficult. And the Christian Creed is no different. Transparency without effort is just spiritual laziness. Can I ask you another question? Are you fighting with everything you've got to overcome the sin in your life? Oh, we all have it, all of us. But are you fighting? Are you fighting hard? John Piper, remember what he said, if you're not killing sin, sin is killing you. There's no middle ground. You're either fighting and gaining ground or you're losing ground, you're never standing still. Now this connects so closely to the second creed of the Mandalorian, which is called strength. And in the Mandalorian Creed, strength is life. At first I was offended by this because I thought it was some thesis on evolution. Because the idea is that only the strong have the right to live. Only the strong have the right to rule. And those who fight and conquer are the only ones that should be in power. But then you start to realize what it's saying. No, what the Mandalorian Creed is suggesting is that only those who have strength of character are the ones that should be followed. Only those who have integrity in their values are the ones who've earned the right to lead. and That should tell you why we've been in trouble in America for a long time when it comes to people who are leading our nation. Do you remember, you remember Scott Waddell? Anybody remember? I told this story about six years ago. He was the commanding officer of the USS Greenville. It's a Los Angeles, uh, Los Angeles uh, class attack submarine. They were doing drills in Pearl Harbor, February 9, 2001. Around Friday at 1.43 p.m., this submarine, this Los Angeles-class attack submarine, abruptly ascends out of the water, and as it did, it struck a Japanese fishing boat. Nine out of the 35 on board died. And everybody said, how could this happen? This is not the way our U.S. military operates. And everybody demanded answers. And then the story came out, there were tourists on board at the wrong time and they were distracting the men from following strict routines and protocol before resurfacing. Scott Waddle had to go to court, of course. Lives were lost. Waddle's lawyer told him, don't speak. Perhaps the soldiers underneath you, or the sailors underneath you rather, they'll be the ones to face the court-martial, take the blame. Scott Waddell said, no way, not in a million years. I am solely responsible for this tragic accident, this truly tragic accident, and for the rest of my life, I'll have to live with the horrible circumstances. I remember I was in my 30s, and I watched him in the courtroom as uh, some of the media uh, broadcast what was going on, and you could just look at Scott Waddell's lawyer And I watched this man who was a leader of men and women. And his demeanor reflected strength and humility, passion and compassion. He stood up straight, admitted his failure, and called them inexcusable and refused to throw the people under him under the bus. And do you know, if you know the rest of the story, five months after all this was over, he actually got on a plane at his own expense, flew to Japan, and apologized personally to every family who had lost someone in that accident. Now, the truth came out later. His entire career came to an end because of faulty equipment and someone underneath him not doing their job. But he understands that as captain, all failures are ultimately yours. When he sat before Larry King on Larry King Live, he said the captain takes the credit and the captain takes the blame. And Larry King said, but why did you take the blame so quickly knowing that it would mean an end to your career? Waddle simply replied by saying, because it is the right thing to do. (laughs) Navy Captain John Peter said, he is the kind of man who could stand up in a crowded room and say, follow me and everyone would. Listen, perhaps no one is following us anymore, because our lives are no longer compelling. Maybe as Christ followers, there's no distinction anymore. Can I ask you another question? What makes you different? What truly makes you different? If I followed you around for the next two weeks, is there something in your life I could say, you're different from everybody else in the world? There's a distinction. There's something unique here. can't put my finger on it, but I'll find out. I know what most of you would say. You would say, according to the bumper sticker that is popular among Christ followers, we're not perfect, just forgiven. Yes, but shouldn't we also have one that says, not perfect, but really trying? (laughs) Isn't there effort involved in this because of the Christian creed and because how important it is? Paul told the young Timothy, 1 Timothy 4.12, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. Sometimes, young people will come and say, Jeff, I just want to be respected by the older age group. I say, fine, here's how to do it. Be an example in speech and conduct and in love and in faith and in purity. Ephesians 5, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, walk in love as Christ loved us, gave himself for us, offering and sacrificing to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Now, notice how he goes from sexual immorality, which you and I put on a high scale, to this. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who lives or everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous or that is an idolater, someone who pursues something of the world above and beyond God, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Wow. Wow. We are supposed to be so different that our lifestyle is so compelling that we have earned the respect and the right to lead culture into the paths of righteousness. You say, well, Pastor Jeff, nobody's perfect. We're not looking for perfection, just distinction, difference. I had another young man, same cafe, it's so one of those young men that you meet that you think, you know, my schedule is jam-packed, but if I was ever going to mentor someone, it's this guy. Because I, you see so much potential, so much potential. And he looked at me across the table and he said, Pastor Jeff, I just want to be honest, I'm struggling because I don't see, why do I not see transformation in people who call themselves Christ followers? You see what he's saying? He said, why, I'm a young guy and I have all these older people telling me about Jesus, but I don't see Jesus being mimicked in their lives. So they say they have the Spirit of God in their lives, but I don't see any transformation. What's going on? And I looked at him and I said, remember what the Bible teaches. There's a big difference between a Jesus fan and a Jesus follower. A lot of people think Jesus is a really cool guy and he taught some really good moral things, but the idea of giving your entire life to him, making him the Lord of your life, you say, he is my authority, I live by the Christian code. The way he tells me to live is the way I live. I may not be perfect, but I pursue it with the deepest of my passions. There's a big difference between those two people. And remember also, the Bible says there is a way, and the way is narrow.
1: You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Thanks for joining us. Next time, we'll bring you the rest of this message from Pastor Jeff. If
0: you're in the Christian creed, it says that you live, and you work for the purpose of improving the lives of others. Now, there's nothing wrong with enjoying moments with your family, special moments of vacation, travel. That, that's not the point. Your ultimate point should be to look for opportunities to improve the lives of someone else. What's well, the only thing Jesus didn't have in heaven? You and me. So He gave all that up to coming at us.
1: You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts. You make me